This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, flamethrowers. Shireen here. I'm so excited to bring you a very special episode of Burn It All Down. Before I begin, I would like to thank Suzanne Cheriton for making this happen, my co-hosts Amira, Jessica, Brenda, and Lindsay for giving me the support, encouragement, and amplification to make this episode possible. And above and beyond, I would like to thank Gurinder Chadha for sitting down with me, sharing her thoughts and opinions on Bend It Like Beckham. Without further ado, here is that conversation. Flamethrowers, it's Shireen here, and I am over the moon excited to have with me Ms. Gurinder Jadha, who is an award-winning film director. She's a producer. She's a writer. She's a creative genius and responsible for the most important film in cinematic history, in my opinion, Bend It Like Beckham. Yes, Flamethrowers, I am sitting here with the genius mind that created the best film ever. Hi. <laughs> Hello. What an intro. <laughs> I can wax poetic about you all day. Well, uh, can I just say, they said, come and do this podcast. It's a sports podcast. So I walk in the room expecting to see some jock type person. And then you're sitting here. I'm like, <laughs> wow, talk about bending it, bending the rules. That's first, amazing. First thing she says to me is, you're Asian, delightfully. <laughs> I will carry that with me forever. <laughs> but that's an interesting point because that's when you say sports, mm-hmm. we never think a podcast would be done by women necessarily. Right. And brown women, you yeah, know. No. And so even me, who's made this iconic movie, I'm like, oh, <laughs> That's not what I thought a sports podcast person would look like. Plot twist. Big plot twist. So I will do a formal introduction of you among her many accomplishments. Grinderji is in possession of an order of the British Empire. She was born in Nairobi, Kenya. She is a renowned film director. I've already said that. And whose work impactfully explores the lives of Indians living in England and South 
and women in particular, and in my opinion, all South Asian communities are reflected in this, and they're navigating their existence between two worlds. Some of her other notable films are 1993's Baji on the Beach, 2004 Bride and Prejudice, 2008 Angus, Thongs, and Perfect Snogging, 2010 It's a Wonderful Afterlife, 2017 Viceroy's House. Her work also includes musical comedies, which we will talk about. And Blinded by the Light. Blinded by the Light. (laughs) Bruce Springsteen movie. Right. And the TV show Beecham House, which is coming out. Coming out on PBS in March 2020. Her most recent project is the one in Toronto itself, which will be shown at the St. Lawrence Centre in Toronto from December 7th to January 5th, is actually Bend It Like Beckham, the musical, the show-stopping, exhilarating, incredible musical that I cannot wait to see. Oh my goodness, it's so good. I love it. (laughs) I love it. And I know it's a controversial thing to say, and I know the film's good, but I actually think the musical is better than the film. Oh, I just got goosebumps. Yeah. How is that possible? Oh, it's the film is very emotional, as you oh, know. Oh, definitely. And the purpose of the film for me was to show women in a very, you know, athletic, strident, empowering way, which I very rarely saw on screen. Mm-hmm. And so what I've done is taken that core idea onto the stage and so it's full of women who are very empowering very athletic Mm -hmm. very sportswoman like you know and so we've created songs and dances with them Mm -hmm. right but at the same time you've got all the Indian family story Mm -hmm. going on Mm -hmm. so you've got a lot of traditional Indian music in there and you've got the immigrant story so Mm -hmm. it's a wonderful combination of the two worlds of Jess Mm -hmm. you know and what she's going to do is she going to follow her dream or is she going to follow her duty mm-hmm. all told through song and wow. dance and that's what makes it so special because the dad gets to sing the mum gets to sing <laughs> Paula gets to sing <laughs> Jess and Jules get to sing and so when you sing you sing from the heart you sing what's in your heart but also emotionally you're expressing you know what's wrong with the world around you and that you can't get to where you want and mm. that's why it's moving because suddenly you're in Jess's head or Jules's head mm-hmm. or mum's head and and you start seeing them in a much more emotional layered way and there's a beautiful moment where the dad in the film the dad says after Joe comes to the house and mm-hmm. says, no, you can't play Don't football play anymore. play with your future, put that? Yeah. Mm. And now dad gets to sing to her and says, listen, mm. people like us, we can't aim that high. Mm. People like us, we're not allowed to be at the top. Mm. We can clean tabletops. We can work in bars. We can serve restaurants. We can be in nail bars. But we can't aim so high. Don't aim so high, Jess, because people like us, we don't get those positions. Mm. And every bone in your body is saying, no, don't say that, Dad, don't say that. But the dad is speaking the truth from his perspective Mm -hmm. about the racism he experienced when he came to England. Mm -hmm. And it's terribly moving. Mm -hmm. And Jess is at first really cross with her dad. And then she has to appreciate it, you know. And then that song comes back in a different way later, which gives you goosebumps as Jess challenges the dad and says, Mm -hmm. no, people like us can dream. Mm -hmm. I'm getting all goosebumpy myself. It's an amazing moment in the show when that comes back. And then also there's lots of exhilarating songs with Jess when she's with the Harriers. Mm -hmm. 
There's a song called Girl Perfect, you mm-hmm. know, it's Girl Perfect, she's living her dream. Then when they win against Germany, in the film they lose against Germany, <laughs> but in the musical they win. And there's an amazing sequence called Result where the girls go from the football pitch mm-hmm. into the changing rooms, mm-hmm. into changing into beautiful clothes for the nightclub to yeah. go to the club. Yeah. And it's all one big song and it's called Result, Result, the girls are going to go. Like, it's a really great anthem, you know. Sure, I'm just a girl from Southall with nothing but her dreams But a nothing girl from Southall isn't always what she sees Why couldn't I Why shouldn't I Why couldn't she Why shouldn't she I love how when you said the film was good. So if I may, <laughs> if I may just interject here, when she means good, she means the most brilliant thing ever to be concocted in the mind of anyone. And I like to speak for myself only, and I only do speak for myself. But I was quoted in a beautiful article. I wasn't sure if you had seen it by ESPN, by my friend Ashwarya Kumar and Katie Burns. And they wrote a piece about what the impact of your film had on them. Katie, they're an amazing, amazing writer. Um, Ashwarya, I love her work. And they went together and they did this and they interviewed me for this. I was very honored. I was actually saying that I feel that my magnum opus as a writer will be an essay on what your film did for my life. That's amazing. I'd love to read that. I have to write it. But yes, definitely. (laughs) The thing is, is that I, as a South Asian girl playing football since I was five, never saw myself. One of the most poignant moments for me in my life was sitting there and watching Jess unwrap her sari to Darshan, which I've danced to in so many, many parties. Epic song. get into her kit. How many times have I done that? I also played rugby, same thing. Going and my mother's got baby wipes in the car for me because she's like, you're gross, but where can we shower? I remember going to a cousin's wedding directly from a match. Yeah. And you know, and just seeing that, I'm like, I have never seen, and I was in my 20s and I was a mother, I think, by then, but I was so moved because I had never seen my experience reflected wow. anywhere in film, on TV, anywhere. And this is one of the things I wanted to ask you because football is such a personal thing. Are you a fan of the game? Well, the film is written by three people. Mm -hmm. That's me, my husband, Paul, Mm -hmm. and my friend, Mm Guljeet. And Guljeet was a novice writer. She was starting out. But she's the big football fan. So she's a huge supporter of Manchester United. I thought so. And... (laughs) And but her favorite player was Ryan Giggs, okay, because her husband's Welsh, okay. And so they were Giggs fans, and I was like, oh, why can't it be Beckham? You know, he's sort of cool. Because back then, we're talking oh, yeah. about end of the nineties, yeah, when he still played for Man U, he wasn't married. I loved him because he 
was really happy being a gay icon because yeah, he, he used to advertise uh, Calvin Klein underwear. Yeah. And all these gay guys were kind of crazy about him. When Ron wore the sarong. Wore the sarong, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was like yeah. a new man. Yeah. So I was like, this is the kind of guy that, you know, we should be supporting. And can you believe that when I made that film and it opened in North America, nobody knew who David Beckham was? Well, I knew who David Beckham you was. You did, yeah, because you were a sports <laughs> geek. But I was doing an interview with the Washington Post. Right. And the man and said to me, who is Beckman? Oh, and my all God. these people were just like, we don't know who he is. And Fox actually wanted to change the title of the film. Yeah. Because they said, no one knows who he is. Can you call it Soccer and Me or something like that? And we couldn't come up with a better title, so we stayed with Beckham. Yeah, so when uh, he, which is brilliant. Yeah, and when he got his Galaxy 250 million check, you know, I was like, oh, okay, well, good for you because you gave us your support. And look how it's come back to you. you right. Know. So, Did um, you think about re-releasing the film when he moved to the US? No, but let's see. You know, in three years' time, it'll be the 20th anniversary. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so I might do a, a new cut. Oh. Yeah, because there were scenes that were cut. Quite a few scenes that were cut. Okay, so I need to see all of these scenes. Yeah. I to be all of these scenes. I have so and many questions. I might questions. just go back and recut it a little differently. And, you know, now that I know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. Because there were times when I was told to cut things and I didn't want to, but I think I might just go back and just do a whole new director's cut. But the other thing is at some point with the musical, I'd like to do the musical version in film form too. Yeah, for sure. So this film, it addressed homophobia. Yeah. It addressed interracial relationships, cultural expectations in South Asian communities, classes systems in the UK. It addressed all of this. That was all intentional. Absolutely, yeah. Was there anything you omitted or added on top of that? It's a film about identity and the multiple identities that we all have. You Mm -hmm. know, it's not just about race. Mm -hmm. It's also about gender. It's also about sexuality. Mm -hmm. And and so it just was natural Mm -hmm. to make it all those different things, you know. Because it's tied in so beautifully. You couldn't have woven a better way to address. Like one of my favorite lines for so long was when Jules and her mum are in the car on the way back from the match. And she's like, well, it's not such a bad thing if I was gay. Her mother's like, no, Papa. I <laughs> cheered for Martina never to love as much as the next person. Yes, and yes. I was just, I thought that was so funny. There are peeps on Twitter, I will tell you this, mm. of people saying, why couldn't Jules and Justice have become lovers? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that, you know, that definitely one way the story could have gone. Yeah. You know, definitely. We were working with a company at the time and originally, Joe, the coach, was much older. Oh, okay. And then someone in the company said, why don't you just make him younger? Yeah. And I was like, oh. And then, you know, they have Jess and him right. fall in love. And right. I was like, yeah, I can see that. That gave it a new engine, you know. Yeah. For Jess's story, it gave yeah. it a new engine. Yeah. Because suddenly he was the cynical coach, but it becomes the soft guy mm-hmm. who she changes. Mm-hmm. She makes him softer, mm-hmm. you know, and then she leaves him mm-hmm. to follow her dream. You know, so I just thought that was a really neat story. But there's no reason why, you know, that other story would be just as valid. And maybe who knows if we ever do a sequel. I know there was an article recently in the press where Kira was quoted as saying we should do a sequel and make Jules Jules a lesbian, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, come on, Kira, if you want to do that, we can do that. You know, that was my next question. Will there be a sequel? And do you need an extra? Because I volunteer myself. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? I never say never, but, 
you know, I think a, a sequel with Jules as a lesbian would be quite cute. And so just, who knows? Just to see that 20 years on where they are now, like I think it was one of the things I also thought was really sweet in the film was how Jonathan Rhys Myers, who played Joe, was Irish. So when yeah. Jess is sobbing, like I think I seen the movie in clips about 800 times. I've calculated. Well, that happened because the actor was Irish. Yeah, he is And Irish. I never realized he was Irish because mm-hmm. of all the films I'd seen him in, he plays English. Yeah. So when I met him, he had this beautiful accent from Cork and he was trying to do a West London accent. And I said, why don't we just go with your accent? It's so lovely. And then we rewrote Joe as Irish. Yeah. And there's a, a few other things there's in the scene when after Paminda got the role, mm-hmm. you know, and I'd been following her for quite a while on theatre and everything. Mm-hmm. Her agent wrote to me and said, look, there's something we need to tell you and we didn't want to tell you before. Mm-hmm. And I said, what? oh, my God, what's the problem? And they said Paminda had an accident when she was young and burnt the whole of her leg. That was real. That wasn't makeup. No, and that if she's going to be in shorts, we need you to know that she's got a huge burn down her leg. And we didn't want to tell you before in case that influenced your choice. But now we need to tell you. Wow. And so I think they thought that I was not going to give her the role because of that. And I went, well, let me see it. You know, and so she came in and she showed me the big scar and everything. And I said, what happened? And she said she was making beans on toast. That's, and, oh, and so brilliant. I just rewrote, I just wrote that into the script. But that's exactly, you know, what happened. And then when her mom sees her and says, hi, Rob, everyone's seen your scar. Because for some ideas, the beauty is shameful. Exactly. Yeah. I thought it was a gift. You know, we can expose that. And mm. so, yeah, I think God works in mysterious ways. Totally. You know? So Jess Barmerat and Juliet Paxton, how did this even come so to this so, idea? Uh, so Juliet's character, Paula, her name is, Juliet Stevenson plays her. Yeah. So she was sort of based on a lot of my friends' mums, you know, who would be like, oh, I cooked a lovely chicken korma. And like, you know, all those sort of conversations. So she was sort of based on mums of friends of mine. Right. And I never played soccer, but I understood the metaphor of it. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was a film about people thinking you're breaking the rules, but actually you're bending the rules. Mm -hmm. So what I did my whole life was bend the rules. Mm -hmm. And there were expectations of what and how I should behave Mm -hmm. uh, as a girl, as an Indian girl, and then a woman. And I kept trying to duck and dive that to be who I am. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, you know, my parents, in many ways, based on my parents, Mm -hmm. and my mum obsession with me growing up was that I should learn how to cook perfect Indian food so that when I did get married into this new Indian family that I was going to get married into Mm -hmm. in her mind that my mother-in-law would be very happy that my mother had taught me how to cook beautifully respect too respect because that was for her that was her duty to Mm -hmm. teach me how so I just would fight that constantly and to this day I don't make chapatis myself. Mm. I just refuse to. Because mm. that idea of sitting there, making the dough, getting your hands dirty, rolling them up, putting it onto a hot stubber, yeah. burning your hands. I'm like, why the hell am I going to do that? No thanks. So ironically, my son, who's 12... <laughs> He likes to do it. So I taught him how to do it. Yeah. And now he makes them. 
which is brilliant. <laughs> which is brilliant. Yeah. Or I get them ready made. Yeah, for know. sure. Yeah. But like, I'm not doing that. No way. And then I would say to my mum, I'd say, I'm not doing that, mum, because it's highly sexist. Yeah. And she would say, in Punjabi, said, sexist. You tell your mother in law it's sexist. Yeah. It's, you know, <laughs> it's your mother's face that you're going to darken. You know? And I'd go, yes, mum, but I'm not doing it, you know. And then on the DVD, whoever's got the DVD, there's a wonderful extra, right. which you might have seen. I the don't one know. of the actually cooking. Yeah, yeah so yeah. They, they said to yeah. me, let's do a nice thing where you cook alu gobi and you just right. teach people how to do it for yeah. the DVD. And I said, well, that's very boring, but what I will do is cook it with my mum there oh, that's and my auntie there, yeah. and that will be funny. Yeah. And so that's what we did. Yeah. So we <laughs> We did it. My mum was like, she had her TV face on. So she was sort of like being the opposite of the mum, you know. <laughs> but if it, occasionally she'd say, you know, that's to cut it smaller. The yeah. salt won't go in. <laughs> this and that. Critical, critical. And then at the end, they all tasted it. And they all said, oh, yeah, it's lovely. My aunt and my mum. And then as soon as the cameras were off, my mum said, not enough salt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> my biggest problem, and I love cooking, and I think it's maybe because my mother didn't cook. My mother chose a route that was very non-traditional. She chose really? to, be, to be a doctor and she was married at 24. So who did the cooking? We did fine. Like, I mean, she was busy and I started to cook it when I was 11 because wow. I enjoyed it. Right. I mean, we survived. It was my brother and my mother would cook when she wasn't working, but yeah. she didn't love it. She doesn't love it. You could perform surgery anywhere in her house because it's so clean, but yeah. the cooking she doesn't love. So even now, like I love cooking and it's yeah. so funny that recipe. I do that main recipe. Absolutely. Cause like for people don't know, actually cook your spices in a day of first. Absolutely. People don't yeah. know this. No. They add vegetables. Why are you doing that? It's yeah. upsetting me. Yeah. I find you it traumatic. Have to, you have to cook the turmeric. You have to. And the coriander. Uh, like the the jeera. Exactly. You ha- it has to be yeah. fried in order for the aromas. Aroma. Yeah. To yeah. Come that was one. But one of the other things I was going to ask, and I saw this in an article somewhere because I read almost everything I can about you it was that you actually have your mom in small cameos yes my mom is in there most of in, my mom is one of the women in the wall yeah you know yeah. she's the yeah, one in the brown that. suit going like that and it was very funny because when the and film pinkies among me yeah she's one yeah. of the women get open the with the mobile phone and walking joggers no no that was, was that my not? auntie okay and me mm-hmm. but then the scene when they're making some more sauce yeah yeah right. and the line of women beautiful. so my mum's in that my boy's in that my mussy's in that yeah and Gucci, you know my friend her mum's in that uh, both her mum and dad are in that scene so yeah i did really well on cheap extras <laughs> I got them all but it was very funny there's a very funny moment in the scene when jess uh, the engagement is handing the machai yeah. to all the aunties. They were all right. my aunties, right? They were right. actors. And the first take, she sort of passed it around and they're all frozen solid. And they didn't know what to do or say or anything. Oh. They were just solid. And then I said, cut. And then I went to them all. I said, look, Bwaji, mum, just be natural. Just be normal. You know, she's offering you Machai. What are you going to do? Yeah. If you want a piece, take a piece. If you don't want a piece, just say no, thank you. Yeah. Like, just think you're at a party don't worry about the 50 people over here filming you you know so they were like okay 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 so then jess comes back and she starts handing them and my boy stops her and says no i'm not having it because i've got diabetes and (laughs) my doctor says i'm not allowed to have sugar but it looks very nice but because of my diabetes i don't walk very well and i don't like it was a whole thing so I went, God, 
<laughs> they were all trying to be stars after that. But it was wonderful making the film in the heart of the community. Yeah. And we never knew it was going to be as successful as it was. We never did. And it's amazing to me because I do go around the world, you know, and I do get a lot of emotional people who come up to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and often women come up to me and start crying. Case in point, me. Yeah. <laughs> because just to be seen and to be visual is a big deal, you know. And the whole reason I went into making movies was to tell stories about people that look like me, you know. And so to see that in practice, that's incredible. But more than that, what was really wonderful for me was in the last World Cup, the Women's World Cup. Right. There were all these interviews with the American uh, champs, you know, the women who won, saying, yeah, they, they got into soccer because of watching Bend It Like Beckham. Really? Same with England. A yes. lot of women who play football today mm -hmm. started playing because they watched the movie. Yeah. And now they're world champs, no, you know. That's and brilliant. That, to me, is like, wow. Whatever well, I set out to do, job done because Good. it cuts across race yes it cuts across uh, feminism mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. gender but also Bender Like Beckham has been voted one of the top three best coming out movies ever hmm. because it's a coming out movie too oh, but without Tony, being really yeah. heavy and punishing you for yes. being gay yeah you know it's just like tony all he says is no i really like beckham. beckham that's all he says and he comes out you know so it's but like, i also thought that jess's reaction was so natural because yeah. she's like what's your mom gonna say like yeah. well no the best thing she said, yeah well what she right? says is what i said the first time someone came out to me i literally said this to them mm -hmm. it was an indian person who came out and i said oh but you're indian but you're indian <laughs> and i right. literally said that right yeah and then she's like it's okay with me yeah. and then there was a really cute scene at the end after just goes tony takes her and then she comes back and then he's dancing with the cameraman just there's a little bit of a flirtation going on there between Tony and him. So we're all like heart fluttering. Oh, in the wedding? In the wedding Yeah, scene. not the camera, it's an extra. Oh, yeah. it's an extra, yeah, sorry. Yeah. He, that was cute. Very yeah, cute. I was like, I love the little nod to that because like, yeah. we all wonder as you know, people yeah. who love this film, what happens with that Well, person? I think Tony needs a sequel, doesn't he? Tony needs a sequel. Tony needs a sequel. He's a very beautiful young man at the yeah, time. Yeah, I too. mean, he was lovely. Yeah. He's married now with a, with a kid. But <laughs> uh, I think I'd like to see that movie, actually, is how Tony navigates being gay. Are you still in touch with any of the actors? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, all the time. That's amazing. Yeah, I see Archie. Archie came to the premiere of Blinded. And Jess Perminder is in L.A., so... Uh, we've texted in the past and because yeah. uh, they're pretty big stars oh, now yeah, absolutely yeah so when you put a call out for this film for the cast do they all just like uh, what is the process they applied because Kira yeah, yeah, now auditioned. is like oh my goodness yeah, Kira came in with 40 other girls that day and just auditioned you know and I just thought mm, I like her she's very natural and she just came in and sat down and put her legs on the chair and cross-legged and and she said have you been in my house? And I said, what? She was 16. She said, because everything you've written is what happens with me and my mum. You know, she said, that's the same conversations that I have with my mum all the time. Wow. And I was like, okay, that's very good. And there's something about her that was very appealing yeah. to me. And that's why I cast her. Just the she way was that probably she... as surprised as any of us, you know, that it took off in that way. I mean, when you see it, it makes sense. I have shown this film. I've been a soccer coach. I'm a mum. I'm a soccer player. My teammates all have seen it. 
every single person from regardless of the community they're from love this film Yeah, because of so many stories that are woven in, but also the way that you reach people. That one scene when Jess is forced to quit and she's cleaning her boots, I cry every time. My story is not just a story. My parents were very supportive. I did not fall in love with an Irish bloke. And my parents, you know, were very excited about me playing. But still, so much of her story, the whole thing about... People used to say to my mom, why she'll turn black if you let her play. So that shadism that we know in South Asian communities, that anti-blackness that I'm talking about, my mother had to say, thank you, thank you. She's great. I think the scene with the boots... The reason it's so emotional is because Paminda's crying as well, you know, which breaks your heart. But also it's that idea as a kid when you really have a dream and you want it so bad, you know, but you also want to keep your parents happy. And that's never seen, you know, because normally up to that point, normally what it is is I want the dream, fuck you all, I'm going to go and follow my dream. And if it means I don't have to talk to you, so what? I'm going to do it. Because normally in films that you're rebels, you know, you break the rules and you're a rebel and you go off, you know, and you have to sacrifice something. For me, Jess never sacrifices because it's important that Jess takes her family with her. Yeah. And so when she's crying, it's that amazing moment where you, we've all been there where we're like, I want this. But I also want that. I want both. Why can't I have both? And that's something that I think I really, really got was that I can't have happiness without them. But she's a very culturally specific thing for us. But I also think it's very universal for a lot of people. You don't have to be Indian to experience that. Everyone wants approval from their parents. Everyone wants their parents to support them and applaud them and validate them. And that's why I think the film is so universal. And it has the record of no other film in the world, which is it's been distributed in every single country, including North Korea. (laughs) (laughs) No other film has that. But I do think the universal quality of it is the fact that it's that idea of as a child wanting something so bad but acknowledging that you need your parents on side yeah and drama at that till that point wasn't normally shown like that on screen not to mention the south asian experience like Mm. the indian experience or whatnot and how do you feel that representation of south asian women in mainstream has it come along because you provided most of it quite frankly but do you feel like it's coming along now are people in uk us canada is there more happening not enough Mm-hmm. Not for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I just don't see enough films about our experience. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it out there. Mm-hmm. I've seen some very bad films, <laughs> you know. I've seen that people try and copy what I've done, mm-hmm. you know, but don't put enough attention to it and, mm-hmm. and strive to make it authentic and truthful and good, mm-hmm. you know. But I have to say I haven't really seen it. 
I mean, I quite like the Mindy Calling show, mm-hmm. you know, but she really downplays her Indianness mm-hmm. because it's a mainstream Hollywood show. Mm-hmm. So I understand that and I respect that and mm-hmm. that's the way she's got to go. But, like, why can't we have it all, you know, is what I say. Mm-hmm. Like, I have both. So, yeah, I mean, I've obviously gone on and, uh, you know, always make sure my female characters are strong and strident. But, yeah, there's just not enough of our stories out there. Mm. I'm trying to think of another film that's come out like Bend It. I mean, obviously, I made Bride and Prejudice with four which daughters. Which is so fun. Angus which Dons, is so fun. You know, <laughs> which is these four girls, again, as friends. It's wonderful. Afterlife is very funny. Mm. I don't know if many people saw that film, but it's a great film about mm-hmm. women and body issues. And then Viceroy's House, Huma mm-hmm. Qureshi, mm-hmm. you know, not much out there, is there? No, like if you take your work out, yeah. there's really, I mean, we'll see spots or cameos of people in certain places, but I'm like really talking about, you know, particularly in a time where discussions like this can be very polarizing, particularly in North America. It's so refreshing that your film still to this day, I showed it with my three, three teenage boys and they loved it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one way for them to unlearn toxicity is to literally see these and see these experiences from a, you know, an Indian filmmaker, but telling the stories that need to be told. And like, I'm just so appreciative of that. I told my son this morning, I'm like, can I tell her this movie is the best ever and it changed your life? And you were so grateful. He's like, yes, one. Yeah. Yeah. You can. And I was like, okay, well, I was going to tell her anyway, (laughs) but, but uh, enjoy the show. Oh, yeah, for sure. So they'll enjoy the show, not least because there's lots of women in it in sports bras. <laughs> <laughs> With abs, solid abs. Salad. So quick question. Gary Lineker, how did he agree to do this? Because I know who he is. He's this major pundit in yeah. football. Like, that was so lo- – like, all the pundits. Like, that was – Amazing. Yeah, I mean, we just reached out, and he was a bit moany on the day. You know, <laughs> he was a bit moany because he is quite moany. Really? And yeah, and he's or he was then. He got into it by the end. Oh yeah. But I think because John Barnes mm-hmm. wanted to John do it, Barnes, John yeah. was right there from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. he and, seems like the type that would. Yeah, that and well. Alan was great, <laughs> and then he sort of went along with it and stopped being the curmudgeon. And, it, and, and we went to him. He was in Twickenham Studios. And okay. So we did it there and Shaheen is amazing oh she was she oh, was so, so funny so and they were a little scared of her actually but the wonderful thing about the mum so Shaheen is one of my favorite actresses mm-hmm. I love her to bits she used to spend at least half an hour if not longer sitting in her room becoming Mrs. Bumra oh yeah because she's like a gorgeous young mum right and no one could believe that she could play her you know and I said she's amazing you know she did a great audition where she just sent me a tape of seeing peeling potatoes (laughs) and moaning about her daughters and she said old one always out sneaking out with boys this one thinks she's a boy like she did one of those auditions it was fantastic and then she would sit in her room and sort of become Mrs. Bumra like give herself a rounded shoulder look do this eyebrow, unibrow, furrowed brow. And she'd sort of become her like this. And then she'd remain like that until she got off set. And then she'd go back to being herself. So when she walked on to that set with Gary Lineker and everyone, she was like scary. And they were all laughing and chatting, but she wouldn't. She stayed in character. (gasps) Wow. And then her hand gesture is, it's a typical, you know, like kind of thing. Like it was just so, unfortunately, I I do that from time to time. I try to get out of it, Mm. but I'm like, 
I'll yeah. give you a dunda. I've never given my kids a dunda for the record. I've threatened them. Yeah. In fact, but uh, but anyways, I just and I am doing this as tactfully and gracefully as possible without sobbing. I don't. Well, I, was I think joking. he's done a lot for women's football as well. Yeah. And I think because this is a sports podcast, I think the most amazing is that my husband's a massive sports fan. Okay. You should know that he's up. We live in London, but he gets up regularly at three in the morning to watch the NBA. Oh wow! To watch the Dodgers. Nice. Like he's always like every time when I wake up in the morning, go onto the computer. He gets up before me. You're always guaranteed he's looking at the scores of yeah. some kind of sport the night before. So who's his team? Who's his Tottenham. football? Oh, Tottenham. yeah. Well, Mourinho's cousins, there now. Yeah, my cousins all have seats. And okay. so nice. they're all Tottenham. Yeah. Not allowed to say, oh, in our house. Okay, because I'm a long-suffering Arsenal supporter. Oh, you are? But a the women's, I'm a gooner, but the women's side has brought me so much happiness and pride well so I'm happy the for great statistic Paul told me just my husband just before I, I joined you here mm-hmm. was he said that there was recently a match with Arsenal and Tottenham mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. at Wembley mm-hmm. Stadium yes the first 38,000 people just last uh, two weeks ago I, think. I mean that is incredible mm-hmm. right and then of course the Women's World Cup broke all kinds of records amazing. And when I went we, to France, actually. Did you? Yeah, I did to cover Wembley it, yeah. was sold out. Yeah, it was. And recent game. It's not that the attention and the love isn't there. It's that we don't invest in it the way we ought to. We ought to. There was a, over a billion people watched the Women's World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. On Burn It All Down, we had a whole feature mm-hmm. about it. We dedicated weeks and weeks, and a couple of us were there. Three of us were there, Brenda, Jessica, and I. I think that what I want to do, in addition to women's football and helping, you have helped so many people from different marginalized communities with your work and like heartfelt. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. And I can't tell you what this means to me to be sitting across from you. Oh, bless you. And next time I would love to take a jaunt to South Hall next time I'm in London. Please do. Give me a shout. My husband jokes about this. Uh, yeah. Whenever we're driving around South Hall and that, yeah. he's always like, oh, GC Tour, GC Tour. <laughs> He'll point something and go, oh, that should be on the GC Tour. <laughs> and so like, you know, all these different films that I've shot. Tour. He's like, GC Tour, GC Tour. <laughs> in fact, I had a call. We had Enia Luca on the show. I interviewed her in the summer and I was talking up again about your film and I was like, next time, you know that she's never had veneer. So I told her that when I come, she's like, what do you, I don't know what that is. I'm like, next time I come to England and if you're there, I will take you to have paneer. Yeah. Because like balak paneer is one of my favorite things okay. in the world with hot booties. Not Do you booties. know Jess Rain? No. He's from Canada. Oh, the comedian. Yeah. Yeah. He has a brother who is a, an amazing artist. Right. And his brother has done a lot of work on my early films and he's a whole series of uh, paintings Beautiful. Uh, about them. And so he reached out to me quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. And so we've been having this exchange mm-hmm. and it's wonderful. His pictures are wonderful. He's a Sadar, you oh, know, and, and then he was coming to London and he wanted to meet me and, yeah. and he said, please, will you take me to Southall and show me, <laughs> show show me, me your Southall, yeah. your Southall. So I took him around and we ended up going to Jess's house you know, the location, Mm -hmm. it's called Sutton Square. Right. And it's in Heston and the house with green in front of it. Right. So I took him down there and we were looking at the house and he was all like, wow, wow, all that. There's the two lions in the film. Right. And the front. Right. I have those. (laughs) I kept those. Those are outside my swanky little house in Primrose Hill, not in Southall. But I have those outside my front door. I, I kept those from the film. That's so great. But the house 
there we were standing outside and then these little kids came up on bikes and said you know that's the house where they shot better like beckon oh and i said really and he went yeah yeah a lot of people come and look at it and i said oh that's good and he goes and then round there they shot the sign that says the great west road that's down that alleyway and this is where jess hides her bag <laughs> and this little kid was giving me the whole like he wasn't even alive probably no came no out. And then I said, how come you know so much? He goes, oh, a lot of people come and we tell them and then sometimes they give us some money. <laughs> so I was like... You're creating industry. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not giving you a penny, mate. I know all this. <laughs> Microeconomies, though, in the neighbourhood. Yeah, it, it was an incredible thing for me to see because yeah. that's like a shrine now, you know. But you're right. I've made about six films since that film. Yeah. But everyone just goes on about that film. <laughs> Yeah. And I think that it sometimes magic happens. And I think that film came at a very important time in the world because it was just after 9-11. Yes, it was. And the world changed overnight mm -hmm. after that. And I think that film touched so many people because it was so pure and innocent about a cultural experience that was universal, that was multicultural, and it was something for people to hold on to at that time, mm -hmm. you know, when the world was in flux. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another reason why it's held so dear for people. Mm -hmm. And I think the musical now is a great time because the movie doesn't age. Mm -hmm. those, oh, no. those issues are still there. Mm -hmm. And with the musical now in England, we have Brexit. You know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of xenophobia. Mm -hmm. In America, obviously, there's stuff going down. Mm -hmm. And I just think the film is so relevant today, which is why I'm so happy that the musical is coming to Toronto and then hopefully we'll tour. Can you tell me a little bit about the music in the musical, like where that came from? So the music is composed by Howard Goodall, mm -hmm. brilliant British composer, and the lyrics are by Charles Hart, who wrote the lyrics for Phantom of the Opera. Um, wow. And we spent a lot of time sitting, discussing what the songs should be. And I would tell them about all kinds of moments in my life, because in many ways, Jess is my life and her parents and my parents. And out of that came these beautiful songs and glorious is like you know the song that I'm sure people play at my funeral you know because <laughs> it's like so much mirrors uh, Jess's quest for her dream mm -hmm. you know to be an all-star soccer player mm -hmm. but at the same time the lyrics reflect what I've done in my life mm -hmm. and when people would say to me no you can't do that no you can't do that or my quiz teacher would say when I said I want to go to university they'd say well I think you should go to secretarial college so <laughs> all that is in the song Glorious mm -hmm. and there's a line in it I'm just a girl from Southall with nothing but a dream but lowly girls from Southall aren't always what they seem yeah, beautiful and so it's sort of you know it's my career as well 
And then there's some lovely songs with the, the Harriers, the footballers, mm-hmm. with energetic, anthemic mm-hmm. about girl power. Mm-hmm. Uh, Result is a fantastic song, mm-hmm. as is uh, Girl Perfect. Mm-hmm. One of my favourite moments is when the parents get to sing and they sing a song called Look At Us Now. Mm-hmm. And it's all about coming to England and working hard, double shifts in factories. Mm-hmm. Or at the and, airport. Or at the airport mm-hmm. and then struggling. But doesn't matter. Look at us now. Mm-hmm. Look at our house. We've got the lights on. The daughter's getting married. Look at us now. And it's that wonderful way that our parents struggle, but then also celebrated. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Look at us now. So the music really does build. And Howard is amazing at doing choral music and so it works really well with fusion because you have east you have west Mm. and then you have all these different choruses Mm -hmm. and and for jess it's great because it's like football or family where am i gonna go and all that's embodied in music you Mm. know by the end it's wonderful amazing i'm really looking forward to the music because it's so emotive and it will just relay the stories and enhance and embolden what you're trying to do. I'm, I can't wait for this to come out. Excellent. Get your tickets now. <laughs> <laughs> there once was a man with a dream in his heart, with a dream just the same as you. There once was a man with a gleam in his eye. But a gleam in your eye, given time, will die If the dream that you dreamt Is a dream that you can't pursue People like us don't join the clubs Jump the queues, get served in pubs People like us must learn where we fit in People are decent, true enough Decent till you call their bluff For people can't see beyond one mortal sin The colour of your skin So once again, I just really, really want to thank you for being on our show. This is a dream come true for me. And on behalf of Lindsay, Jessica, Brenda and Amira, just cannot thank you enough for being on Burn It All Down. Thank you so much. And come to the theatre, come see the show, and I look forward to seeing you all there. (laughs) Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to our special episode. And as Brenda would say, burn on and not out. And as I would like to add, keep bending the rules. Oh,